Hello, my name is Mishek Puskorski. I'm the Dean of IMD Asia and Oceania. And today I'm joined by Jay Meta, owner of Meta Group, a graduate from Columbia, as well as an MBA from International Institute for Management Development in Switzerland. Jay, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> it's a real pleasure for me to be here today in Mumbai. We're going to talk about management transformation in India. And one of the key reasons why we're very, very focused on this topic is that India is on a cusp of massive economic growth. We're expecting India to become the third largest economy in the world just in about three to four years. And I'm very curious, Jay, what you think are the largest opportunities associated with this growth? Ah, it's, uh, it's a very open-ended question. I know, question. it's a broad question <laughs> because there are many opportunities. When you double in size, of course, many new things happen. I think the main thing is, you know, the uplifting of the, you know, people who are, you know, underprivileged. Mm. And I think um, that's the biggest opportunity that I see here. Mm. And um, the kind of growth rates that we're getting, I, I hope that leads to, you know, that kind of development. And then if they do manage to do that and, and have the wealth sort of spread across the country you know, to different levels, I think you know, then, then it would be a real success story. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're much more closer to the market than I am, and you get much more visibility into concrete business models that are merging, that are associated with growth of this particular segment of the population. What are some of the most interesting examples of new business models that you see that actually take advantage of this growth? Well, I think um, the change that we're seeing now where India is also being considered as, a, as an alternative to, to China, I think that is offering us some, you know, huge sort of opportunities. I think a lot of uh, companies are investing in India now um, and looking at it, you know, as a sort of parallel so that they have manufacturing not just in one place, but it's spread. And, um, and I think that's a huge opportunity for India uh, in the future. Also with, um, you know, the kind of uh, skill sets that we've had in you know, IT and things like that. It's it's and you know being at the sort of forefront of AI as well. I think uh, going forward, um, you know, those sort of sectors will have huge, huge opportunities. You know, I agree with you. I think what we're seeing is that the growth is not coming only from one sector. It's really multiple sectors yeah, and innovation yeah. in multiple sectors. Earlier on, we listened to the CEO of Hindustan Unilever, and, and he talked to us a lot about transformation that we're seeing in, um, in his company. Are you seeing these kinds of transformations also for existing companies in many other sectors of the economy? I think um, you know, almost every company has to look at it right now because uh, I mean, the world is going to be very different mm. in, 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 in a few years. Um, and, if you're, and as he said, look, if you're, if you're not able to act fast, you're just going to get left mm. behind. So. Every company has to transform. And I think what, what we, we, we're seeing is, you know, people bringing younger people in, um, getting them to, because they really understand, you know, data and being able to code and things like that. So I think um, bringing younger people in, changing the culture in that sense, and just letting them free to experiment. Mm -hmm. I think, um, and as you said, you know, you, you should be able to do, you know, be ambidextrous oh, yeah. and, and so on. So I think, um, you know, those are the kinds of things that we are seeing. Mm. Um, but again, finding those people who can actually lead, as you said, again, um, a very small number of leaders who can actually 
you know, do these kind of transformations. So that is going to be difficult. So this is a kind of a natural segue to, to my second question, which is there are ample opportunities, right? We're beginning to see which segments of the population these mm -hmm. uh, opportunities are most likely to benefit. We are seeing substantial changes in business models that take advantage of that. But obviously there are concerns and, and there are some things that can get into the way of taking advantage of this growth. What are they? Well, first of all, I think um, there's, of course, the whole political scenario that, that um, we have to see going forward. I mean, I think uh, the present government has done a great job in actually, um, you know, making sure that um, sort of every class of people have sort of uplifted. Of course, I think now the momentum has picked up in such a way that I think any government that comes in will have to continue on that path. But I think we've had a strong leadership, and I think... Um, Going forward, you know, if, if, if that, that continues, then for the next five, ten years, I think that will be, you know, it will put us into really mm -hmm. a good position. The environment, I think, that's mm -hmm. another thing that I think is a huge, huge issue. Meeting the targets that have been set. I think India set a target of 2075, if I'm not mistaken. 2070 or 2075, one of the two, I can't remember. Whereas the rest of the world has said 2050. I'm hoping that we can actually accelerate that and you know, achieve the, the same norms, you know, by 2050 as mm. the rest of the world, because otherwise I think people will start looking at India as being a polluting nation and then start walking away from there. Mm. So I think those kind of things, you know, will, could affect us in the long run. And as, um, uh, as we heard earlier, things like water, those could then become issues. We have a growing huge population. How are we going to sustain everybody? if the climate does change and if you start getting more droughts and things like that. So I think there are a lot of those kind of challenges ahead and um, you know, we really have to move quickly you know, to be able to face those challenges. In many ways, you're very fortunate because A, you have now the largest population in the world. You also have the largest population of young people in the world, which is obviously going to be extremely helpful as you're driving your transformations. But of course, as you said, this comes with some liabilities around training and developing uh, people and you know a lot of them are extremely digitally savvy i think what the government has done has a profound impact on on digital transformation of india uh, talk a little bit if you can around readiness to to drive these transformations what do you think about the educational uh, requirements that are needed to drive these transformations are you seeing them being fulfilled in india and not only at the primary and, and secondary level but kind of throughout the careers do you think there's enough support for leaders to drive these transformations i think what we really need in india is a lot more sort of uh, university kind of institutions coming up mm. um, more management schools, more sort of, uh, and what the government has now done is allowed sort of, um, you know, um, universities from abroad to set up campuses mm -hmm. here. So I, I hope that does start happening because it'll bring a different dimension to education in India. Um, I think with online education and so on, I think that that's very helpful. And if you, if you see now the kind of penetration of mobile phones and, you know, digital devices across India, I think from an education perspective, that is very helpful. But I think there's no substitute for a physical sort of yeah. campus and a physical university. So I, I do hope that we get many more institutions being set up you know, in India, which can help in you know, developing the talent that's needed you know, for this kind of growth and this kind of transformation that we're looking for. So 
one of the important components that drives a lot of the transformations that we talked about is the importance of AI, is the importance of data, and applying these data to then solve business problems. Uh, there is obviously a big distribution always in any country of how skilled organizations and people are at this, and, and then we have the sort of the less skilled part of the population. Where do you see India on this, on this continuum, and what opportunities do you see for development? See, I think we've got a lot of young, educated people here, so, um, and a lot of them are tech-savvy tech and are learning sort of coding and things like that. So I think from that perspective, there are a large number of people. We'll have to see how it all develops mm. you know, going forward. And again, I'm actually on the board of uh, Columbia's engineering school, and you know, we've been discussing a lot on the data, uh, data science and things like that and big data and how to analyze it and things like that. But things are moving so quickly that um, just, just being able to keep track of what's going on um, is really, really tough. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, we're just going to make sure that we don't fall behind in the kind of development that's going on. Because we don't have in India the kind of research that goes on in the US, for instance, or other parts of the world. But um, uh, I think it's really important that uh, we really keep up with what's going on. But on the, on the flip side, we've got a lot of Indian companies that are working with companies in Europe and other parts of the world, in the US, etc. So they do get that uh, ability to, you know, sort of deliver on the new technologies that are required because a lot of the US companies or European companies are looking at India for the actual development of, um, you know, companies like Infosys mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and Tata Consultancy mm -hmm. Services and so on. So you you have all that happening, but how much that spreads into society as a whole, I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, these are very complex problems. I yeah. mean, I, th I just think they apply to India as much as to any other countries, yeah. right? And one of the things that we are observing in India is you know, the huge amount of IT infrastructure, uh, and both in terms of uh, hardware as well as software, as well as human capital, right? And it'd be very interesting to see as the developments in AI progress what happens, right? Is it going to be uh, a situation where we're able to catch up or will there be a total disruption by, by AI and another data provider? And it's actually difficult to, to know where it's all heading because, That's right. again, legislation has to come in. That's right. Um, otherwise, this thing would go completely haywire. Exactly. exactly. So exactly. we just don't know where, yeah. which direction it's going in. And I think uh, talking about, you know, I think I was just reading yesterday that um, the government is forming a, you know, a, a, com a committee to actually set rules for AI over here. So I think things are moving, but, you know, well, let's see how it goes yeah, and no, where absolutely. it goes. I think, I think we're all trying to figure yeah. this out. Yeah. And the technology is moving faster than people reacting. So I think, again, legislation and things like that are going to have to move very, very quickly. And I think maybe, you know, the government also has to get younger people in who can actually forecast where it's all going and then be able to bring in legislation early. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I'm always very, it's just changing uh, topics for a second, I'm always very interested in uh, careers of, of our graduates, and I'm always very curious, as you look back on your own career, I mean, I'm sure you've gone through numerous transformations. Talk to us a little bit about what have been some of the most successful transformations you've led yourself, and what guided you through them? One of the major transformations actually for me was I came back from IMD, I inherited um, two cement companies which were almost in chapter 11. And um, 
uh, well, I would say in the Indian equivalent of Chapter mm -hmm. 11, and we had to really revive them. And somehow it was a very difficult process because um, having been, having lived abroad, having been educated overseas, as far as my schooling went, as far as my um, undergraduate degree, my graduate degree, both, all were overseas. I probably didn't even have the language skills to be able to communicate with, say, um, uh, bureaucrats, etc., in, in our own language, because sometimes it makes a difference, you know. So I did find it very difficult to, to convince people, you know, to support us in, in, in turning our company around, whether it was banks or it was the government. Or, so it took a long time, and it took almost 15, or 15 to 20 years before we could um, we were so straddled with a lot of debt, and we had debt restructurings going on. And then finally, by 2015, we actually became debt-free. And it was really like a, a big sort of stone being lifted off my head. You know? um, and then we could really you know, do a lot of changes in the companies and then move forward. But those 15, 20 years were really tough. And um, <clears throat> when you ask about transformation, it was about getting new teams in, getting new people in, bringing in um, uh, marketing, um, again, uh, people in again, because we had a good brand. And we had a new cement company, which was also a separate entity, which had another brand. So we had to also you know, develop that. But both companies had gone into Chapter 11 for, for historical reasons. Yeah, slowly, slowly, we had to sort of chip away. In fact, we had a problem where we couldn't even get good people to work for us initially. So then slowly you had to change the image, you had to change the way you worked, the company worked. Um, and then we succeeded in hiring some really good people. And that really helped us then, you know, to, to turn things around. It's been a difficult process. Mm, I, can, I can tell. Uh, Especially with the in Indian environment at that time, because, you know, when, when you had to have certain things changed or something, you had to work with the government. Um, and, and the laws were very, very sort of... Um, Diff interpreted in very different ways. So, you know, you have to convince them, okay, this is the right way, and so on. So it was difficult, yeah. So, so, so what you're outlining here is a, a long process, uh, which requires a lot of marathon, almost, like, skills, right? So, so what guided you through this, through this process? If you were to just sort of distill this to one or two principles that you hold very dear, you already named one, which is around people, but I wonder yeah. if there is any other ones that you want to talk about. So philosophically, it was more about the fact that my grandfather had set up the business. Mm. It was in our hometown, and I didn't want us to fail. Mm. So that was my main mm. driving mm. force. Okay, I, I said, we have to turn it. We got to a stage where we almost sold the cement business. We, in fact, had signed a deal with uh, Semex to, to acquire mm. the company, mm. and luckily their board didn't approve it and we managed to continue. But it was it a situation of desperation, actually, at that point. So, and then after that, it was a lot of luck and stuff. The market turned, and we managed to turn around, and uh, then we managed to get in a, um, a sort of uh, a company that specializes in restructuring to come and invest uh, in our company, and, and we could invest in new technologies and put a, putting up a power plant and things like that. So then just, sort of suddenly just took off from there. Hmm. But I'm sensing also a lot of conviction in, in, in your voice even to, to say, you know, 
there, the, you, you still saw a diamond in the rough there, right? And he said, yeah. you know, this is something that my grandfather set up, and and it is something. If I just work on this hard enough, I'll 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 I'll, I'll make this shine again, which which you did. I was uh, the only one. Well, but, but that, that is actually right. But that is yeah. in some ways a very important leadership lesson yeah. for a lot of us, right? Really, sort of going to. Um, have the audacity to believe that you know I will recover this thing and, and yeah. make this work, which is which is uh, sometimes quite difficult when you're surrounded by the people who are naysayers and tell you that's Absolutely. actually not going to work. <laughs> and I can assure you, there's a lot of people out there that are in similar situations, not always trying to rescue uh, family businesses, but finding themselves in, in quite difficult leadership predicaments. So I'm curious, what advice would you give to anybody who might be facing similar situations? Sort of looking back at your experience, looking at the things you've learned at IMD, looking at anything else that you've experienced in life, what would be some of the uh, parting wisdom, words of wisdom that you'd give to others? First of all, don't take on too much debt. <laughs> okay. And really, noted, is, noted, yeah, noted, because yeah, it, yeah. it can really, um, and we got into a debt trap and it just you know, destroyed us, yes. almost destroyed us. So that's number one. I think, secondly, you have to build a great team, you try and hire the best people. And going forward, I think, uh, you, again, um, curiosity, reading a lot, learning about you know, business practices, things like that. And just keeping yourself um, you know, uh, informed about what's going mm -hmm. on and uh, um, keeping yourself ahead of the curve, so as to say. Yeah. But um, I think those are important, important things. You know, in between all this, um, uh, when we were also going through the difficult time. I, I got an opportunity to invest in, a, in, in cricket. And everybody said, you're crazy, completely crazy. I said, look, no, I really believe in this. I want to do it. And it's just uh, when the sort of auction came up, it was, you know, the, 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 it was like a $75 million uh, acquisition. But, and, and I had partnered with a, fr a friend of mine um, to do this. But other people had actually taken the document and not understood the business model. And when you looked at the business model, actually, it was a cash flow model. And uh, so the investment was very small. And I, and I really believed that, OK, this is going to really turn around and cricket's going to become big, like every other sport, in, you know, like football, American football in the US or football in, the, in, in Europe and, and things like that. So, so I took a punt, invested in it, and it's probably turned out to be the best investment I have made. Yeah. See, what really interestingly unites these two, two stories for me is, is, again, the word that I used beforehand, which is audacity, right? That, that you had a lot of people who might have been telling you, this is not the right way to go. Yeah. Let go of the, the debt-ridden investment. Don't invest in this thing that might never turn around. So, so I'm curious where, where you find this source of audacity. Where do you find that sort of insight that this is the right thing to do? And maybe this is something that is just in your personality, or maybe there's something that you can share with us about yeah, like sure. where we can find these pearls of wisdom and kind of go against the current. So I, I used to have a guru. She's no longer there. Oh. And, um, and I spent a lot of time with her, and I got my sort of initiation also from her. And I've always believed that, you know, she's going to hold my hand through everything. Interesting. And that was actually my guiding light. Interesting. Yeah. Can you share a little bit more, or is it a little bit too private to ask? No, 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 no. It's absolutely. It's um, so when I when I grew up, I used to go to the ashram, um, mainly in Haridwar in, in in the north, and my grandfather from my mother's side, like you know, he was the first person who was a devotee of us, 
and then my mother, and then she used to always take me there. And, um, and, and she also had a very strong belief, you know, in, um, and, and if you look at what happened to my parents actually in Uganda, we were thrown out by Idi Amin and things like that. And then she had some incredible spiritual experiences with my guru. So that belief sort of continued with me. I have to say that one of the things that stirs up in me is my own reflection on, on my own guru. And, and, you know, this is actually a family member and this was uh, my grandmother. And, you know, whilst the relationship was not spiritual in nature the way you describe, you know, I often think about a lot of the decisions that I made and kind of role model on her. So And, and, and so one of the amazing things that you made me realize is just how important um, these formative experiences that we have in childhood that, you know, we're actually not very well aware of. Yeah. Once, because we're still forming as humans, they kind of stay with us and give us this incredible amount of strength yeah. uh, to, to sort of allow us to power through these, through these um, conversations. So I, I suppose the, the, the takeaway then will be to actually go and reach out into those uh, sources of strength that we developed Absolutely. when we were young and, and, and use them really to our advantage. So thank you. It was uh, unexpected that we went there, but but all the more rewarding that we were able to go there. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to explore that with you. So thank you very much. Thank you. thank you for having me.